Welcome to the Wisdom Workout Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Sullivan, and today we're going to talk about love. More specifically, we're going to talk about self-love and what true unconditional love really is. I think what's portrayed in the media and movies and other media forms like that is very uh, not all-encompassing in terms of really what love and unconditional love is. There's a lot of spiritual guides and religious leaders that talk on on unconditional love, and I think that they have a lot of points right, but I want to share sort of this perspective with you on how to not only attain unconditional love within your life and receive it, but also how to give it. And this is sort of the third podcast in this series of how you get to the point of being able to love unconditionally, not only others, but yourself. And the first two podcasts were on forgiveness and on gratitude. And so just as a quick overview, I'll go over uh, very briefly what I said in there because it's all all connected. But to give you the download at the very front of this podcast, so in case you don't have the time to listen to the full podcast, essentially the steps to loving yourself begin with sharing love with someone else. Because once you can share love with someone else, you start to fully believe that other people can share love with you. And if you believe that other people can share love with you, you can share love with yourself. And this same pattern of do unto others, and then others will do unto you, and then you can do unto yourself, was really the main sort of theme in these last three podcasts. In the very first podcast, it was start to forgive others. Because when you can forgive others, you start to believe others can forgive you. And when you believe others can forgive you, you can forgive yourself. And then on gratitude, you share gratitude with others so that way you believe others can be grateful for you. And so then that way you can be grateful for yourself. And now the last step is sharing love with others so that way you can believe others can love you and then you can love yourself. It starts with giving because you can't have the perspective of what receiving feels like until you know what giving feels like. You know, giving what you feel is forgiveness, gratitude, or love onto somebody else, those energies allows you to receive those energies back because if you don't give them out yourself, you can't believe that other people can give them to you. And if you feel isolated, that's when you feel disconnected from yourself and others. So that's why it starts with giving out and then receiving. And then once you can receive you can give it to yourself. So that's sort of the pattern that you should really look for and that I really look for in terms of the healing process in attaining self-love, right? It starts with forgiveness because if you're holding grudges, you you can't really be grateful for things. And if you're not able to be grateful for things, you can't really love things as they are. So to talk a bit about unconditionality and being unconditional, <clears throat> you know, unconditional love is something 
I don't want to say difficult to attain, but um, it's definitely a process of releasing a lot of things in your life. Um, you know, because unconditional love truly is unconditional, right? If you're in a relationship and you say, you know, I'm only going to love my partner if she or he behaves this way, this way, and this way, or, you know, they have to treat me like this, or they have to do these things for me, whatever it is, that's not being unconditional, that's being conditional, right? So the process of self-love goes through these stages, but the process of being unconditional about it is a very different sort of um, practice. So, and that begins with re releasing attachment. Now, you hear a lot of people talk about releasing attachment, oh, just let it go, release your baggage, things like that. But it's actually quite difficult because in our minds, we're really attached to a lot of different things, um, whether it's experiences or whether it's, you know, how you're treated or whether it's, you know, the things that you like doing or uh, like having done, right? Those There's a certain amount of pre-programming or presets or uh, conditioning within each of us for how we think we should behave or how, you know, we, we respond to things or things like that. And, you know, if somebody from a different culture or a different background than you does things differently, then there's a disconnect, right? So, for example, you know, in American culture, holding up a middle finger, we all know what that implies, right? But if in another culture, right, that could mean something entirely different. And so you have to be unattached from an outcome or a specific circumstance because you have your frame of the world and they have their frame of the world. And sometimes we meet people that align with our frame and it's easy to get along with them and it's easy to be with them because everything is sort of connected very easily, right? That's why there tends to be inherent conflict within different groups that grow up different ways or uh, live, live in different situations because it's hard to be fully compassionate of somebody else if they live with an entirely different perspective than you do. And so the process of becoming unconditional is a process of letting go of all of basically everything you've ever learned. So, you know, how, how can you, you know, let's, let's talk about a bully, for example. A lot of people are bullied uh, and it's something that a lot of us deal with, right? And the first sort of stage of an emotional maturity is learning how to forgive them right? And that can be quite difficult at some times, uh, especially if what they did to you was pretty severe. And that's why this process is difficult, because you have an experience uh, that creates an emotional trauma within your body and in your mind. And letting go of that is difficult because it's created, for some people, a lot of purpose in their life, right? Like if you are one of the peoples that say, you know, I'm going to become super successful to prove all those people wrong. You know, the people that called me stupid or the people that said I was bad at math or whatever it is. And, but you really like math or, um, you know, let's say you want to be an athlete and people said you were not athletic for a really long time or 
things like that, you know, a lot of energy uh, can be put towards proving people wrong. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a good thing either. But what I am saying is that having that emotional attachment actually holds you back because um, it, it, it basically is a preframe on how you view the world. So, and in my case, you know, I, I was highly motivated for a really long time to try and prove people wrong uh, because I wanted to, you know, be the best, uh, you know, when I was a CrossFitter, I wanted to be the best athlete I could be. It pushed me to work out five hours a day, six days a week. And I learned and learned and grew a lot from that. But when I was working out in the gym, I wasn't doing it because I loved working out. Now, when it started, I loved working out because I loved all the benefits. I loved what it did for me. Uh, I loved that it gave me purpose and things like that. But when I was in the gym, really what I was doing is I was punishing myself uh, because I didn't feel like I was good enough. And not feeling good enough was a byproduct of being attached still to what people had said about me, right? Feeling the need to prove somebody wrong, right? in a sense, almost makes them right. Because in the process of negating a specific reaction or a specific experience, right, you're reinforcing that experience. So if somebody calls you stupid, and then you work really, really, really hard to be smart, right, well, then you had to work really, really hard to be smart. So doesn't that mean that you actually are stupid? Does that make sense? So by negating a specific circumstance or frame or conditioning or thing like that, you're essentially validating what they originally said about you. So it's really a process of learning how to let go of that and just be your best version, right? And then that leads to being unconditional because you're not caught up in a specific outcome, so it's, it's both, you know, going forward and going through the past in order to learn how to be unconditional, you have to be able to let go of experiences or let go of desired outcomes because in that process that frees you to live purely in the moment, right? Cause you're not looking for a future outcome and you're not looking for, you know, to prove people wrong in the past or things like that. So going back to, you know, really being able to love unconditionally, you have to be able to let go. And for example, with, you know, uh, a romantic partner or somebody who you want to be a partner with, if you truly love that person, truly unconditionally, you're not attached to an outcome. And you're not attached to a behavior. You're not attached to how they act or what they do. And in that process, you know, there can be uh, letting go of specific things can be kind of painful, right? But in that pain, there's a lesson. And it's pretty well known that humans tend to be binary in their motivation for things, meaning they are motivated by either one of two things. And it's usually 
pain avoidance or pleasure seeking. Now, there's a way to sort of escape this binary and that's what I'm trying to get you to get at is that if you can be truly unconditional, it's not about pain avoidance and it's not about pleasure seeking, it's just about being. But most people are caught in that binary uh, preset because it's very, very ingrained into not only our biology, but also our psychology and also our society, right? You know, try this new diet pill, lose 30 pounds in a month, you know, try, um, you know, there's, there's tons of examples where, especially in, you know, the news, it's like pain avoidance, pain avoidance, pain avoidance, because they, you know, they talk about lots of shootings and, you know, how, you have to, we have to regulate certain things or, you know, the economy is going to shambles and we have to do this because if you don't, then people are going to starve or, um, you know, there's, there's in society, in our psychology and in our biology, there's a lot of things that really react to either pain avoidance or pleasure seeking, um, you know, and the only way to get past that is to resolve the the binary code of it if that makes sense so you have to in order to avoid pain avoidance right which is almost you know seemingly a um what's it called um a paradox because how can you avoid pain avoidance well it really it's not really about avoiding it, like pushing it away, because pushing that away, you'd go towards pleasure seeking, right? But the process of releasing pain avoidance is really letting go of things that have caused you pain in the past, right? Because if the things that have caused you pain in the past continue to cause you pain, you're going to do more things to avoid them. Whereas if the things, the experiences in your past that have created pain in your life, if you're able to let go of them, what it allows you to do is to not be afraid of pain because you know that no matter what, pain doesn't affect you, if that makes sense. So you if you can escape it on one side. So, but on the other token, right, because a lot of people who experience a lot of pain in their lives sort of fall into a victim sort of mentality and then some people turn to drugs or addictions or things like that. Um, because they're always seeking pleasure because they want to run entirely in the other direction. So it's also about releasing attachment to pleasure. And this is a little bit more difficult to <laughs> release attachment from pleasure because pleasure feels good, right? And so in order to up-level out of the binary, you need to really release essentially and I know I'm saying release it a lot but it's really you have to release a lot you have to let go of a lot of experiences you have to uncondition your mind uh, you know if you think about like a computer program like all the things then the computer program that create the program essentially is an analogy for how your brain runs like all of your experiences get programmed into your mind as different things and if you hold on to them and if you hold on to those attachments it could be even education how you were taught how you were raised if you're attached to that then that almost holds you back from being unconditional because if you were raised a very specific way where you know something very simple like eat with your mouth closed right a lot of people would 
say that eating with your mouth closed is a polite thing to do. But the only reason that it's a polite thing to do is because that's how you're trained. Now, I'm not telling you to go eat with your mouth open. Um, I'm not telling you to eat with your mouth closed either. You can do what you want. That's what free will is. But the it was an analogy or an example of certain conditionings, right? If you were trained to believe that eating with your mouth closed is the right thing to do, well, then the wrong thing to do is eating with your mouth open. And so, and there's millions and millions of these examples, which it's why it's a, a process and a long journey to release attachment to these different situations. But when you're able to do that, that's how you become unconditional. So now going back to the self-love thing, right? A lot of people say, oh, I love myself, I love myself, but then, you know, they only love themselves if they wear their makeup this specific kind of way, or if they weigh a certain amount, or, you know, if they have a relationship, or if they're making a specific amount of money, right? Those are preset conditions, right? So you don't, you don't love yourself, right? You're just saying you love yourself as pleasure-seeking, right? Because societally, it is a popular thing to believe in self-love or to practice self-love, Right. But if you have all these conditions on, you know, I love myself when I do this, it could even be meditating. You could say, I love myself every day because I meditate. That's a condition. So when you have conditions, it's not unconditional. So by going through this process of, you know, forgiveness and then gratitude leading into love, right, that cycle is. Uh, it's more than a cycle, it's a spiral because every time you do it, it reinforces and continues to be more powerful. Um, but in that process, you learn to be unattached because if you can be grateful, uh, we'll start with forgiveness. If you can forgive things, but the bad things that were done to you, right? And be grateful for the good things and grateful for the bad things, right? That's sort of escaping out of the binary. And then you learn how to love yourself because you've practiced love onto others and you've practiced receiving love from others. And then now you can learn how to love yourself, right? That's the sort of full up level when you get to that point. And so learning how to love yourself is not only a process of releasing, it's also a practice of being unconditional. So you almost have to, right, when you let go of something, you really, it's human nature to grab onto something else. And that's <clears throat> sort of the next step, right? And there's many more steps beyond this. But in order to let something go, you have to hold on to something new, right? I have a lot of personal experience with fasting. And basically in that process, you go, I went from eating too much to eating nothing, right? And, you know, it's a good temporary fix because you're going back into a different direction, but it's not a good long-term solution, right? So what I had to do is I had to grasp a hold of a new sort of program that was sustainable, right? Because just not eating for the rest of your life, unless you don't want to live for very long, right? It doesn't really work. So in the process of letting go of other things, you have to grab onto other things. So in the process of letting go of your pain, you have to attach onto something else. And usually it goes from pain to pleasure, right? But then where do you go from there? Where's the next sort of up level? Well, it's releasing attachment to pleasure as well, right? And then that brings you into balance, right? Because on a binary scale, right? Imagine like a, a line, right? There's left, right, and center, 
right? If you're, if you're going too far to one side, right, to get to the other side, you have to go the other way, but then, you know, you can unbalance yourself that way, so then you have to come back into the middle. But the only way to find the middle is by going too far in both directions, and that's how you find balance. And then that's where the human experience sort of is. I see the human experience kind of like a sine wave, um, where if you, if you don't know what that is, it's essentially, you know, a line that just fluctuates up and down, up and down. And depending on the velocity or things like that, I'm not a physicist or anything like that. So I'm just trying to explain this as best as I understand it. Right. It's essentially, uh, think of like a light wave, right? If you see the color, color spectrum or a sound wave, right? Like these are all different waves and the more intense and short and big the, the waves are, right? The, the more choppy of the experience or things like that. And so the process of becoming balanced is not being, seeing these huge up and downs and emotional swings or things like that. It's, it's finding the center balance. And, but the only way to get to that center balance is by going through the swings. So your experience in life is valuable. I'm not saying just release everything and just, you know, you're a whole new person and forget everything in the past and all that. I'm not saying that because it's provided you context on where you live in your spectrum, but in order to find the balance, in order to find the center point where you are extremely steady and calm and, um, you know, living in a beautiful state, you have to be able to balance those extremes, right? It's So it's, to use another analogy, it's not just uh, black and white, right? You have the in-between, which is gray. And so <clears throat> part of this, um, process, right, and developing con a higher level of consciousness is recognizing and embodying a more broad perspective, right? If you, and I like to use this example, and I'm going to explain it the best I can, um, the yin-yang symbol, re releasing sort of attachment to all of the preconceived notions or all the, you know, traditional sort of beliefs around the yin yang symbol if you look at it purely from a perspective an, an empty perspective you can see that quite obviously there is white within dark and then there is dark within white um or dark darkness and lightness or black and white um and but if you could imagine that you lived in a two-dimensional world because one thing that i like saying is that in order to go to higher dimensions, first you have to go to lower dimensions because it's a lot easier for us to conceptualize a two-dimensional reality than it is for us to conceptualize a four-dimensional reality. So, but the the pro the process of the patterns of going between the dimensions is consistent, right? There are universal laws and universal patterns that you can follow the thread uh, of to move up but you have to understand the different dimensions. And so, and I know that this seems like I'm going on a huge tangent because this is all about self-love, but this is really about finding balance, right? And I think that having a, an awareness of sort of different dimensional characteristics is going to help you in terms of what's called raising consciousness or elevating your consciousness or attaining a higher consciousness you you have to have this sort of fundamental perspective of uh what's really math but you know this sort of i guess um 
insight or perspective on sort of the how our world works and how how things interrelate with each other. So going back to the yin yang symbol, if you were on a two dimensional platform, that was a yin and yang symbol. If you were standing in the blackness, any part of the blackness, right, it would be black. And if you know, if you took the yin and yang symbol, you had you know, uh, ten people standing on the platform with you. If if five of them were in white and five of them were in black, right, you'd almost be enemies, right? In a sense, not enemies in like necessarily that you're fighting each other, but you'd be on opposite ends, if that makes sense. Well, you don't really know where they stand on the spectrum, right? Because some there could be like two people in each of the dots, and then everyone else in the other ones. And, you know, there's people who could be in the black on the white side, right? And they're, they're you know, on the white side, quote unquote, but they're actually like believing in the black. So they're kind of, you know, hiding within their own culture and same with the other way around. But in actuality, you know, it's, there is always going to be that balance. And so, and the reason I say that is because you know, you can walk around and go from black to white, like you can have a shift of perspective. So by just walking along that two dimensional platform, but if you can instead shift your consciousness 90 degrees and look at it from how we would look at a yin and yang symbol, you can see that, oh, there's black within white and white within black, right? So it's not that either side is right or wrong, right? Because there is the same pattern within both, and that sort of allows you to see this my belief that really the reason the yin and yang symbol is so widely popular is because it is a universal indicator of a shift from two-dimensional consciousness to third-dimensional consciousness and now like you know science and math have have caught up with that and um, I'm not a historian either so I don't know if this is fully true or not but I believe that the yin and yang symbol uh, came out before we knew that our world was round, right? And to any of you flat earthers out there, <laughs> you're stuck in two-dimensional consciousness. Maybe you should try and uh, <laughs> thinking from a higher perspective. But um, basically, you know, you can see this sort of shift in our collective consciousness to a third-dimensional perspective. We understand that we live on a third-dimensional planet um, rather than believing that we live on a flat planet. And... So, and it took a while for science and things to sort of catch up to that, but the yin and yang symbol was sort of that shift of the collective consciousness to realize, oh, okay, we kind of see this for what it is, and it's called duality. And so the next sort of stage, uh, the third dimensional characteristic is understanding that it's not just left or right, it's a spectrum. And that, you know, it's not just white or black, but there's also gray. And so, you know, you could create a yin and yang symbol where there's black and white, and on two sides, and then there's also gray within it, or things like that. And there's there's sort of other shapes that could uh, depict this a lot easier. Um, and I can't really show you because we're this is an audio podcast, but um, <laughs> there's there's ways to look at different shapes or different um, symbols or things like that to help you gather perspective on the fact that. Uh, what a spectrum truly is. Um, and, you know, for example, a Venn diagram, right, where you have the three interlocking circles and you have three different uh, counteracting parts and then you have three different intersections between two different parts and then you have one main intersection between all three parts, right? That's a spectrum and it, it adds more complexity. And so um, 
this sort of tangent was very useful in explaining self-love because in order to see and fully love yourself unconditionally, sometimes you have to shift your perspective into a higher dimension. And, you know, when they, when a lot of religions say, oh, God loves you, um, you know, unconditionally, right? It's because from a higher perspective, it's pretty easy to have, uh, or it's easier to have uh, unconditional love because you sort of always see both sides of the story, right? If you have two kids arguing, you know, and they're they're both arguing about something incredibly stupid, right? And then you have a parent in the picture, and the parents like, you get, why are you guys arguing? This is this is extremely stupid, right? The parent still loves their those kids unconditionally, right? Because the parent sees that oh, they're just arguing about something stupid, but for the kid, they're arguing about something that's very very real to them, if that makes sense. And so, to shift into that perspective, you have to step out of your perspective and into a higher perspective with more understanding. And then that allows you to see with clear vision really what's happening. And so that's, that's why I had to go through sort of the dimensional analysis is because, you know, uh, you know, if you look at the Old Testament, it was all about like this wrathful, vengeful God. You go to hell if you do these things wrong and stuff like that. And then sort of in the New Testament, and I'm, I'm using the Bible sort of as an example because that's how I was raised. I, I grew up in a Catholic environment and so it's easier for me to relate. Um, but you sort of go from the vengeful God into the loving God, right? Well, what's sort of the next stage of that? It's what's well, the interlap between them and the elevation of that perspective. And that's what I'm trying to get at to you with this self-love sort of perspective is that, you know, a lot of people are caught in a cycle, but to break free from that cycle is to recognize that being in that cycle provides a perspective that you can grow from, which allows you to move upwards or downwards. And depending on your, your life purpose or your soul mission, right, you can do either or there's, there's no right or wrong in either of them. But I'm just trying to come to you with the perspective of self love. And, you know, I, who am I to say that self hate is a bad thing? For real, like, some of the most powerful moments in my life stemmed from self hate, right? When I was going back to the example, when I was training five hours a day, six days a week, I was in there to punish myself. I was, you know, I, I would tell people I have to go to the gym, right? And my, I had friends like, why do you have to go to the gym? Like, I have to go to the gym. I don't have a choice, right? I was imprisoning myself into that so I could punish myself. There'd be days um, where, you know, I'd, I'd get to the point of dry heaving in a workout. And then as soon as I was done, I would go back and go for more, right? Like just perpetuating this cycle of pain, but that allowed me to transform my body to where it is. You know, I'm a very, very strong person now. I'm not, you know, I don't have difficulty walking upstairs. I don't have difficulty getting out of a car, things like that. So, you know, that sort of path of self-hatred allowed me to grow from there and learn to have this perspective of self-love. So I'm not saying that self-hatred is a bad thing. I'm just saying that if you want to get to this sort of, sort of higher vibrational state of self-love, you have to almost go through this process of releasing pain, which can also lead to a lot of hatred because a lot of people just disregard a lot of their experiences. They just sort of bury them. And when you're digging up all of these experiences, right, it can provide a lot of pain and make you hate yourself for the things you've done wrong, for the times you've hurt people. Because everyone's hurt people. There's no exception to this. Intentionally or unintentionally, we've all hurt people. And in the process of digging up that old, those old experiences, right, you can start to really hate yourself, 
for anything, you know, screaming at your mom or, you know, getting in a huge argument with someone who is your best friend and then they're no longer, you're no longer friends with them, whatever it is, right, that process can bring up a lot of pain and that can lead to self-hatred, but have confidence in the fact that it won't last, right? You continue to move along and on that path, you're creating uh, more of a balance because every time you go, you know, through a spiral, it expands or, um, Anytime you're going through, you know, a sine wave or the vibration, right, you're <clears throat> essentially becoming more and more uh, consistent and calm with it because it's you have the perspective. Um, so really, that's that's sort of my perspective on self-love is you really have to go through and elevate your consciousness through letting go of old traumas, old belief, old paradigms. And it allows you to sort of escape that narrative in your mind uh, that you're not worthy. And so... Again, you know, share love with others as unconditionally as you can. And then you start to believe that others can love you. And then you can start to believe that you can love yourself. And then you can go through the process of being more and more unconditional about it. And eventually you get to the point where you can love somebody for hurting you because you recognize the value of what they did, right? The pain that they caused you helped you become stronger, right? And not only do you forgive them, for what they did to you, but you're also grateful for it. And then being grateful for it allows you to love them in return. And that's how you lead to an unconditional paradigm where you really, really love everything in your life and you start to live in an extremely beautiful state all the time, no matter what happens to you, no matter what's happened to you, no matter what's going to happen to you, you'll always be in a beautiful state. And I hope to talk with you soon. It's been great. And I hope you got some value from this podcast. I'm Daniel Sullivan, and I'll talk to you next time. Thanks.